Imagine this, a world where dad stress is a myth, where fathers navigate the turbulence of new parenthood with a steady hand and unwavering smile. Does this sound too good to be true? Well, it shouldn't, because today I'll be diving into the eye-opening topic of self-improvement for men, specifically the hard-working, ever-loving new dads out there. Welcome back to Fitness for Fatherhood, the podcast helping first-time fathers find the time to regain their health and fitness to become the superhero dads their kids look up to. I'm Stacey Liddell, your host, a qualified personal trainer, two-time amateur physique competitor and soon-to-be dad. I firmly believe that a healthy body and mind are the cornerstones to a fulfilling life. Get ready to gain actionable tools and strategies from real-life examples to take control of your health and fitness and become the superhero dad your kids can look up to. Right at the top of the show, I want to start by diving into three crucial benefits that'll pique your interest, keep you hooked, and most importantly, transform your experience as a new dad. Firstly, I'll explore how you can instantly upgrade your stress management techniques. Secondly, I'll tackle the art of balancing personal growth with fatherhood. And lastly, I'll uncover the secret to maintaining and even enhancing your relationships in this new chapter of your life. Stay tuned as I take you on this enlightening journey towards being the best father, partner, and man you can be. You don't want to miss this. So for today's show, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give some practical tips and advice, and then I'm going to share with you my experiences so far and how I've used these tips and tools in my own life. There are times when I haven't been able to use the tips that I'm giving to you, but these are things that i found with researching becoming a new dad and how to manage stress and things like that. So if I haven't used one of these tips, I will make that explicitly clear because I wanted to cover a lot of different ground because what works for me might not necessarily work for you. And that's why I'm sharing things that even I haven't tried, but maybe you want to give them a go yourself. So I want to start with number one, which is something I touched on last week when I launched the show. And this is expanding your support network. Seek out friends and family who can offer you encouragement and support especially during those first few years. I think a good place to start off is to start considering the friendships and relationships that already exist in your life and then think about how you can strengthen those bonds. Don't limit yourself to just friends and family, however. If you need to grow your net, consider seeking out support from your coworkers. Maybe you have a mentor or perhaps there are other people that work in your industry that you can reach out to. Another thing that's great to do is to join a support group. This is where you can meet others who are dealing with similar challenges to yourself. Another thing you can do is seek out people who share your interests or hobbies, as this can be a great source of support. Don't be afraid to seek support from unlikely sources, such as acquaintances or people you meet online. Remember that building a support system is a constant work in progress and that people in relationships can change over time. Be open to making changes to your support system when and if necessary. As I've mentioned previously, I live in South Korea with my wife, and our baby is due in August. And although my wife's mom is popping over to visit us at the end of August, other than that, we don't have any family around us. And I think that's going to make it quite tough for us to get the support that otherwise other families might have. And then another thing is, and maybe this is a conversation for another time, but 
I don't have any real close mates where I live at the moment. That's a consequence of being an expat in a non-Western country, for one. And also, I guess the pandemic didn't make it so easy to connect and make new friends to the depth that I would have liked to. And I also need to take some responsibility there. I think I'm quite discerning when it comes to choosing friends. I don't want to make friends just for the hell of it. I like to make deep connections with people. And the downside of that is that I don't make friends with everyone. So I'm quite selective. So that's why I've had to do things a bit differently on my end. What I've done is I've reached out to coworkers. I've got some lovely people that work with me at the school that I teach at. Many of them are parents themselves. And I just talk to them about the nerves that I'm experiencing and the excitement that is also bubbling underneath the surface. And they're always just so wonderful and supportive. And it really does help being able to speak to people who've gone through this process already. And it kind of just gives you hope because so many people have done it already. You're not the first person to tackle this problem. And it makes me feel confident that I'll be able to get through all the challenges associated with being a new parent. Another thing that I've done is online support, which really surprised me because I'm not a huge proponent of social media. And the one source of information that has really been invaluable to me has actually been Facebook groups. And I thought it was going to be tough to find men who would open up and share experiences online. And this hasn't been the case whatsoever. So, yeah, that's a huge thing for me. I'm able to ask questions when I feel self-doubt or when I likely have a stupid thought or suggestion in my mind that I'm worried about. For example, I was asking about whether or not training was easy for new dads. And not surprisingly, there was a whole bunch of various different answers. Some people said it was super easy. Some people said it was difficult. (laughs) Some dads had five or six kids and they said that I shouldn't be worried if it's just the one kid because they were able to do it and they managed just fine. So it's just been incredible to to speak to those guys online and get their input and their insights. So that's a huge one for me. And the last thing that I want to say here is that I've also found it extremely important to keep an open mind. Don't limit yourself. I mean, I almost did. Don't limit yourself in finding support in unexpected places. As I said, I almost closed myself off to social media and finding help and support there. Alrighty, so the second point I want to touch on here, and I mentioned it a bit last week, but I'll go in a bit deeper today, is talking to your partner. Sharing what's on your mind can go a long way toward relieving stress, while affection and intimacy can help you both. When your partner is speaking, give them your full attention. Try to understand their perspective and avoid interrupting them. If you're not sure what your partner needs from you, ask them. They may be looking for advice, a listening ear, or some other form of support. If your partner is expressing frustration or anger, try not to take it personally. Instead, focus on understanding their feelings and working together to find a solution. 
Let your partner know that you understand how they're feeling and that you're there to support them. When expressing your own feelings, try and use I statements instead of you statements. For example, you can say something like, I feel stressed when, instead of, you're stressing me out. You can see the difference there, right? Another thing you can do if the conversation becomes a bit intense is to walk away, take a break, and revisit it later. Remember that everyone deals with stress differently, so it's important to communicate openly and find what works best for you and your partner. As I've gotten a bit older, I've realized I've become a lot more introspective and self-aware, and I've got this tendency to sort of poke and prod and push my wife's buttons a little bit, and I do it not in a harmful or negative way, but just to kind of have a little bit of fun, and we joke around and we laugh, but sometimes I get it wrong, and then she reacts negatively, and you know, it's something that I've become a lot more aware of, as I said. And I think what I've realized through her pregnancy is that she's a lot more sensitive when I poke fun at her or or tease her or things like that. As I said, nothing negative, just a bit of fun and games, something that we do in our relationship. And I've toned it down significantly because I'm trying to be a little bit more empathetic to her situation. She is obviously carrying the baby and the hormones have changed. And I don't want to make things any more difficult for her than they have to be. Um, Another thing that I've really been trying to focus on is giving her time and attention. Because, and for those of you who've read the five love languages, you'll be able to relate to this. My wife's love language is quality time. She needs focused attention. So she loves it when I put my phone away and we sit and we talk and we discuss things. Um, plans for the future or how the week was, things like that. So I've become a lot more mindful of carving out time like that to spend in deep conversation with her. And it's really fostered a great environment for us throughout her pregnancy. All right, so then I think I can move on to number three. And this is after baby arrives. And I think maybe you can take this with a bit more of a pinch of salt because I'm I'm yet to experience what it's like to have a newborn in the home. But I, through my research that I've been doing, expecting baby and, and trying to prepare myself, I've seen some people give, give advice that you should interact as much as you can with your newborn and it can be a great way to reduce stress. So I want to share some tips that I've learned by doing some research on the internet um, with how you can play with your newborn child. So obviously talk to the child. Um, try and have some positive interactions with your baby. You know, smile and laugh and maybe you can read a book to them or something like that. And I think it's important to pay attention to see what's going on. Obviously, um, newborn babies are not going to be very responsive to what you're doing. My sister had a baby on the 26th of June this year. And <laughs> I asked her what... Uh, what it's like communicating to him and she said he's basically sort of a living and breathing potato that's how she described it she said essentially he does four things he sleeps he eats he poops and he cries that's about it 
So obviously, when interacting with your child, try to take note of what they're doing. But in the early stages, don't be expecting that you're going to get too much back. And um, yeah, I think you and your wife can take turns interacting with the baby. And, you know, there have been studies showing that kids who hear a lot of words in their developmental years do benefit tremendously when they go to school. So, yeah, focus on just speaking to your baby as much as possible, even if you're not getting anything back. Point number four is a huge one. It's, again, something that I addressed a bit last week, and that is finances. I think consulting a financial planner is one of the most important things to do when baby's on the way. Expecting a new baby as a father can be a heck of a stressful time. And consulting a financial planner can really help manage that stress, which will ultimately improve your mental health down the line. And I think it's important to dig into some of the reasons why I would speak to a financial planner if I were you. Um, And that's because these guys and girls can help new dads create a budget which can help you plan for the future expenses of raising a child. And we all know it isn't cheap raising a kid, so this can really help alleviate financial stress and provide you with a bit of peace of mind going into the future. Financial counseling can also help prevent stresses from occurring again and again, and this will promote long-term stability for you and your family. A financial planner can also be a part of your support network that I spoke about earlier. They can provide you encouragement and to keep on going towards your financial goals. And they can also support you during financial stressful periods. Financial problems are one of the most stressful things that can happen to a family. And they're also very common. Consulting a financial planner can help alleviate the stress and improve your mental health. So overall, consulting a financial planner can help new fathers manage the stress of expecting a new baby and provide a sense of stability for the future. All right, so... I think it's obviously important for me to share my journey so far with this. My wife and I have done incredibly well financially over the last few years, not in terms of how much money we've made, but in terms of how we've saved and prepared for a baby. So we haven't yet found it necessary to speak to a financial planner because we don't feel stressed by our financial position at the moment. However, another big factor why we haven't really gone down this road is we are living in Korea. And while I'm sure there are great English-speaking financial planners here, we're not planning to stay here forever. In fact, we're planning to leave within 12 months of the birth of our child. So the very first thing we will do when we get to our new home is to sit down with a financial planner. It is at the top of our list when we do eventually immigrate. So I don't want to sound like a hypocrite here giving you advice that I'm not following. But as I said, you know, for me, it is a unique situation. Luckily, we feel financially prepared for now and we'll address that later when we move. Point number five is a huge one. Simply get outside. Being outside in green spaces has been shown to reduce the risk of depression and improve psychological stress recovery. Nature can also help decrease anxiety levels and lessen feelings of anger. Studies have shown that being in nature can restore and strengthen our mental capacities, 
increasing focus and attention. Getting outside can lead to increased physical activity, such as walking, biking, hiking, or for those of you lucky enough to do so, kayaking. Regular physical activity can help new dads keep a healthy weight or even lose weight. Being outside in green spaces also supports an active and healthy lifestyle, which has been shown to increase life expectancy and improve your sleep quality. Getting outside with the family is a wonderful activity that incorporates physical activity, family bonding and learning. Every family member can benefit from more chances to run, jump and getting their blood pumping. Engagement in physical activities outdoors, especially team sports, can help kids strengthen their social bonds and also help their bodies grow stronger. Every family member needs to let loose and have some fun. So why not do it together? Being outside can be a fun and relaxing way to spend time with your family and friends. Overall, there are many benefits to getting outside, including improved mental and physical health, family bonding, fun and relaxation. Whether it's a park in the neighborhood or exploring the vast landscapes of national forests, there are benefits to be had when we step outside. Okay, so here we are exceptionally lucky. We do have loads of parks in and around our city. We also have a lovely river which has a designed walkway for pedestrians to walk along. And we've already set up plans for when baby arrives to take strolls along the river so that we can spend time together talking and getting baby outside of the house. We've also got a great national park just up the road, less than half an hour away or so. And we go there often for picnics and things like that. And it's a great time to get outside. And this is honestly one of my favorite things to do. Um, We live in an apartment. It's not tiny, but you do sometimes feel a bit boxed in when you're living in an apartment, when you don't have a garden or something like that. So for us and for me, it is a really, really great way to improve my mental health. I always feel super recharged after spending a little bit of time out in nature. Point number six would be exercise. And in my opinion, exercise is one of the best ways to manage stress and improve mental health. Loneliness is a big issue for new dads. I've heard from a few fathers that getting cooped up at home and not being able to get out and see friends and things like that has impacted them a lot. So joining a gym or a fitness community can help you stay active and connected with others. If you have the means, getting a personal trainer can help you take control of your health and create a social bond at the same time. I've been told that becoming a parent gets really, really busy. And so I think the best thing to do is to find ways to incorporate exercise into your daily routine. This helps you stay active and also saves you time in the long run. I've already been asking some dads what their experience has been like with exercise and some examples they've given me is that they've had extended walks with a stroller or when baby goes for a nap, they squeeze in a workout. So there are ways to get it done. And perhaps I should share my current fitness routine and what my expectations are going into the future when baby does arrive. So right now, I go to the gym for an hour-long session on Mondays, Wednesdays and Saturdays. And then in the morning before work, I do a 20 to 30 minute kettlebell workout. That's Monday to Friday 
And then on weekends, it depends on sort of the feedback I'm getting from my body. If I'm feeling a bit stiff and tired and sore, I will do something like yoga and then stretching and ab work. If I'm feeling like I have enough energy, then I'll also just sub in another kettlebell workout. I try not to do more than six of those a week. So Saturday or Sunday, one of those days is always a little bit more active rest, if you want to put it that way. Also tend to do a lot more walking on Saturdays and Sundays than I do in the week. I work as a teacher. So while I stand when I teach, I do also have a lot of sedentary time or sedentary time um, at my desk when I'm working on planning my lessons and things like that, which is always a bit of a concern for me. I don't I don't enjoy sitting for too long. Um, and then the expectations going forward into the future. I think that I'm going to have to be a lot more flexible with my work, workouts. I'm not expecting to maintain the three times a week in the gym plus the six to seven other workouts. I just don't think that's going to be feasible with baby in the in the home. So I'm going to try and do two or three workouts outside of the home. And if that's not possible, I'll adjust from there. And then maybe two or three home workouts as well, rather than five or six. I found it really fascinating speaking to other dads about exercise with a newborn. Some are very positive and say that Basically, it's in your control. It all depends on your mindset and what you want. Then other guys have told me that they found it impossible due to circumstances. Their baby was either really tough to manage or mom had a really tough postpartum experience. And so they had to be more hands-on in the rearing of the baby and basically put their health as a secondary concern. So... One thing that I've learned out of this whole experience of exercise and speaking to other dads about it is that I think each of us have a unique experience and you have to adapt and adjust to what's in front of you. And you can have plans and you can be organized and have a routine set up and a program and all those things. But sometimes life has other plans and you need to be willing and able to adjust and be flexible in those situations. Another thing that I forgot to touch on before I round out the point on exercise is something that I've really enjoyed doing is a bit of yoga. I love meditation, so I think yoga is a great way to incorporate that mindfulness aspect as well as physical exercise. And the great thing about yoga is it can be very high impact. You can do a lot of movement and get your your breathing rate up and your heart rate up and get a sweat on or you can scale it down and it can be very a very relaxing and calming experience. Point number seven is similar to point number one and that's connect with other dads. I think that connecting with other dads is important for your mental health. I'll touch on a few reasons why I think this is important. The first reason why I think this is important is because of validation. Talking to other dads who are going through similar experiences can help you feel validated. You don't have to feel alone in the struggles that you're going through. The second reason why I think this is important is support. Other dads can offer support and advice on how to navigate the challenges of fatherhood. Obviously, men that have been through the experiences you have might have some great insights and tips for you. 
to deal with the things that you are currently facing. There's also reduced stigma. Many new dads may feel ashamed or embarrassed to talk about their mental health struggles, but connecting with other dads can help reduce the stigma around mental health and encourage open and honest conversations. It also improves relationships. There's research that shows that father involvement leads to children who are more ready for school, have better vocabulary, have stronger social skills, and are less likely to experience mental health issues themselves. By prioritizing your mental health, you as a new dad can improve your relationship with your child or your children, and this will help set them up for success in the future. Some tips for new dads to connect with other dads include joining dads groups, attending parenting classes, or simply reaching out to other dads in their community. By prioritizing your mental health and connecting with other dads, you can better navigate the challenges of fatherhood and improve your overall well-being. And as I've mentioned a few times already in this podcast, the way that I've been able to do it is reaching out to friends who've had kids themselves. And the surprising one was using Facebook to reach out to dads and communities and groups there. And I really suggest that if you're feeling alone or if you feel that you're struggling with some of the struggles of parenthood and fatherhood in specific, don't be afraid to reach out and speak to people. In my experience, guys aren't afraid to talk about it if you're willing to open up and be honest yourself. So give it a shot if that's something that you feel is lacking or missing. All right, so I've got three more points to make. And number eight is make time for yourself. It's important for your mental health that you make time for yourself. Becoming a new dad can be stressful and hectic. And it's important that you take some time alone and focus on yourself. Fathers often face significant stress related to their work and income when a new child joins the family, and you may not recognize changes in your mood and behavior as symptoms of a mental health condition. New dads often overlook their own mental health concerns, which can leave some of them unprepared for the transition to fatherhood. Role restrictions and changes in lifestyle can result in increased stress levels, which can manifest as tiredness, irritability, and frustration. Take time for yourself. It's simple. You can go for a walk, listen to music, meet up with friends, or carve out some time each week to focus on yourself. Remember, there's always also the possibility of seeking professional and peer support. The help is always available. One of my favorite things to do is to talk to other dads or new parents because they are likely navigating similar changes and stresses. Active parenting can not only increase your baby's long-term health, but also improve your relationship with your partner and your own mental health. All right, so... As I've already mentioned before, I'm not a dad yet, so I'm not able to give 100% concrete advice on how to do this, how to make time for yourself without detracting away from your responsibilities as a dad and as a husband or as a partner to your spouse. And I think what I've picked up from speaking to other dads is that this is a very, very important thing to do. And there's a balance between being selfish and looking after yourself. And I think it's my opinion at the moment, and obviously this might change, but I feel that if I'm taking care of myself and I'm in the best place that I can be, I can then be a better dad, a better husband in any situation. Whereas if I stop caring about myself and I stop looking after myself and then my mental health deteriorates or my physical health deteriorates, how can I then possibly be the best version 
of a dad or as a, as a husband to my family. Um, that's currently where I stand at the moment. And as things change, um, I'll let you know and give you some feedback on that. Point number nine is eat healthy foods. Eating healthy foods can contribute to reduce stress and better mental health for new fathers in several ways. So I'll list a couple of reasons why I like to eat healthy. Number one is increased energy. I've done a lot of experimenting with my diet and I found that when I eat better, healthier foods, my energy goes up. And obviously, those of you who have kids already know that caring for a newborn requires a lot of time and energy and eating well can help you keep your energy levels up. A diet is not a one-size-fits-all solution, but I'm going to maybe give you some general pointers here. Um, I always make sure that I try to eat as many whole foods as possible. I try to increase my consumption of fruits and vegetables, as these provide nutrients and energy that can really help you as a new dad. I like to stick to my diet about, I'm trying to be honest here, about 85% of the time. And so in reality, that means that I kind of eat healthy from Monday through to Friday. It's basically all home-cooked meals. And then Saturday and Sunday, I normally give myself a little bit more freedom. So maybe I'll have an ice cream on Saturday. And then maybe on Sunday, the wife and I will order something in, which won't be a fast food type meal like McDonald's or something like that. It'll be something more along the lines of a rice burger here in Korea, which is, to me, it seems like a pretty healthy alternative when you don't feel like cooking. My two main focuses when I'm talking about healthy eating and diet are consistency and don't be too restrictive. So consistency, going back to that 85% rule, trying to hit my diet 85% of the time. And then with the unrestrictive dieting, I try not to restrict too hectically. I found that when I force myself to be too restrictive, I then end up binging and all the hard work and all the calories saved just go out the window and I go grab a pizza or something like that and then it just destroys the whole week of dieting. So try to try to set some rules for yourself, but try not to be too restrictive as I do find it to be counterproductive. Another reason why I like to eat healthy is because it seems to improve my mood and it reduces stress. There's even research now supporting that a diet rich in fruits, vegetables, and lean protein can help reduce symptoms of depression and anxiety. I also find that when I eat healthy, I sleep better. My sleep quality improves, and this is really important for new dads, because those of you who have kids and those of you who are expecting kids will already know about the sleepless nights that are on the horizon and foods that are high in tryptophan such as turkey, chicken, and dairy products, can help promote sleep. There's also a lot of evidence out there that supports the idea of eating carbs before bedtime, and this can improve sleep. If you want me to dive deeper into the research on the carbohydrates, just let me know. Um, This is something I could probably talk about at length in a separate episode and dive deeper into diet and sleep and how to improve sleep with diet. Another thing, and probably the final point on this, is that if you eat well, you're setting a good example for your family 
so your wife and kids. And I think that by modeling a healthy eating habits, you as a new father can help your children develop healthy habits, and this is going to benefit them for the rest of their lives. It's not just a short-term payoff and win. It's something that hopefully they will latch onto and maintain for the rest of their lives. And my final point, and probably one of the most important lifestyle factors out there, it's guard your sleep. As a new dad, it's important to do this for several reasons. Number one is the emotional regulation and resilience that good sleep gives you. Sleep is critical in this regard. As a new dad, you may experience a range of emotions from joy to excitement and then swing all the way to the other side of stress and anxiety. I promise you, getting enough sleep can help you regulate your emotions and cope with the challenges of parenthood. Another important thing to note is that reduced sleep or a lack of sleep has been shown to cause health problems. Now these can be minor. You could become irritable, your stress levels could increase, you could find yourself being less patient with other people, but then the long-term factors of sleep deprivation have much more serious consequences. You can have impaired cognitive function, and this maybe can increase the risk of accidents, both while driving or otherwise. And a really big one is that a lack of sleep has been shown to cause an increase in all-cause mortality. So please, get your sleep. It's really, really important for your health. Sleep deprivation can also have long-term effects on your partnership. If you have a lack of sleep, you might become irritable, as I said. What does this do? This increases the chance of having a conflict with your partner. And I'm sure you can see how this could have obvious negative impacts on your relationship. Prioritizing your own sleep also helps you to have the energy to take care of your new child. Infants have shorter sleep cycles and require frequent feedings, which can disrupt your sleep. By getting enough sleep, you can ensure that you have the energy to care for your child and enjoy the next day with them. So a couple of points I want to add on the fly here. I just thought about them while I was talking about some of the points on sleep. And I think it's important that you communicate with your partner about devising a sleep plan that works for both of you. You don't both want to wake up every single day, both feeling exhausted, both at each other's throats. So I recommend that you have an honest conversation and work out a way that you can try and get three to four hours unbroken sleep each every night. So, I mean, obviously that's not possible in every situation and in every couple of circumstances, but it's something to bear in mind that there is a way to share the load and the work. A big thing for me in the last nine months has been quitting alcohol. I haven't had alcohol in nine months. And when I look back at the records of my sleep tracker, so I wear a Whoop band, a Whoop 3.0, and the worst sleep nights I've ever had across my whole history using the Whoop band, and I've been using it since about 2020. So I've got, um, I think, more than three years of data now, I think three and a half years of data. Some of the nights that I had alcohol on, my Whoop recorded that I had 0% recovery. For those of you who don't know how a Whoop band works, essentially it tracks your sleep and how much recovery you've achieved during your sleep and then based off that recovery, how hard you should work out the next day or how much strain you can take the next day. Those are the terms that Whoop uses. And 
something that I've noticed by giving up alcohol is that now my sleep efficiency has gone through the roof. So I used to have to sleep about seven and a half, eight hours to be fully recovered. Nowadays, I can get away with six, six and a half hours. It's still best for me to go with seven, seven and a half, but I can still get away with it and I don't feel tired and my energy levels stay constant now that I no longer drink. Look, I know it's not reasonable for everybody to stop drinking alcohol. It's a big part of our culture and I understand that. That's fine. It's just something to bear in mind. If you are struggling with sleep quality and you're having alcohol before bed, it might be something just to keep in the back of your mind. Maybe stop drinking two or three hours before sleeping. That's a compromise that some of you might be willing to make. Otherwise, some of you might want to go all in and stop completely. Something that really helped me was reading Alan Carr's book. I may butcher the title here, but I think it's the easy way to stop drinking. It's something along those lines. And that just helped reinforce stopping and how to stop effectively. I think I'd already stopped drinking for about four or five months before I read it the first time. And it really helped change the way that I think about alcohol and its role in my life. And this also reminds me that in countries where marijuana is legal, that's also something to watch out for. If you're using recreational marijuana close to bedtime and it's got a high THC content, it's going to disrupt your sleep. Even though you might find it easier to fall asleep, your quality of sleep will drop as well. So also another thing just to bear in mind, I don't want to be the fun police here. So if it's something that you don't want to give up, that's absolutely fine. Just be aware that these things are affecting your sleep. And if you're struggling to make improvements there with a new kid in the house, it might be something to look into. Another thing that I've been doing a lot of recently is napping. I get up in the mornings around 4.30 so that I can do a workout before the day gets going. And so what I found is sometimes after work, I'm a little bit tired. So I'll have a 20 or 30 minute lie down. I try not to sleep longer than 30 minutes. And the reason being is I wake up feeling groggy and even worse than if I don't nap at all. So try not to enter those deeper sleep cycles when you take a nap. If you do want to take a longer nap, then don't set an alarm and just allow yourself to wake up when you're ready. That way you're less likely to wake up feeling groggy after the nap. And the final thing that I want to touch on for sleep is sleep environment. And this is something that I completely underrated at the beginning. And that's simple things like blackout curtains, dropping the temperature in the room. So at the moment, it's summer here in Korea and it's so hot and humid that we naturally have the aircon on. And I do find that in the summer months, I do sleep better because the room is naturally cooled by the aircon. I think we run it at about 18 or 19 degrees Celsius. Sorry for the Americans that are listening. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, um, but I'm pretty sure you could enter it into a converter and, and find out quite easily yourself. All right, so a couple more things here. White noise. You can either buy a white noise machine and use that to create an ambient sound in the room, or even more simple, you can use a fan. That's what I run when I sleep, and it really helps to create a nice ambience in the room. And helps me fall asleep quicker and sleep deeper. And the final thing is try and use your bed as a place of sleep only. I know it's difficult. A lot of you might have TVs in your bedroom. That's something that my wife and I are lucky enough not to own. We don't own a TV at all. This means that your brain is now associating your television 
and your entertainment time with your bed. So we like to read before bed, and I've found that doing so makes it a lot easier to fall asleep. Another thing to remember is to read something that's not too demanding of your cognitive functions. So a crazy example would be reading a maths textbook and solving math problems right before bed is probably going to stimulate you rather than make you relax. So for example, I'm reading the first Harry Potter and I read that out loud so that my unborn daughter is having bedtime stories already. It's something that I want to really focus on when she's born is try to read to her every night before bed. All right, so that just about wraps things up. And I want to say a big thank you for tuning into Fitness for Fatherhood. This episode was definitely much longer today. There's just so much ground to cover. And each of these topics could even possibly be a full episode if you want me to go deeper on each one. And I'm hoping to get some guests on on the show in the future. And maybe these are topics that I can approach with them and unpack for the benefit of you, the listener. Just a friendly reminder to please look after yourself. It's necessary that you take care of yourself so that you can be the best dad and husband to your family. Taking care of your mental health is just as important as taking care of your physical health. We are all different, so you may want to pick a few things from the podcast today and experiment with them and find the combination that works best for you. For me, it did take some trial and error, but it's so worth it and I'm now seeing the benefits of doing these things consistently over a good period of time. Don't forget to stay connected with your friends and family as these people can provide support and practical help. If you're feeling overwhelmed, don't hesitate to seek professional help. You don't have to go through these things alone. Take care of yourself so that you can take care of your family. Once again, thanks for listening and don't forget to tune in on Friday. I'll be discussing some techniques I use for managing my own stress levels and in doing so, I'm hoping that I can help you manage your stress. Until next time, stay fit, embrace the adventure of fatherhood, and remember, you've got this.